0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Jonas, how did that game feel for you in the first quarter? You know what game I'm talking about.
1: It was amazing. (laughs) Um, I lost my voice. After like after the first quarter, um, uh, which was weird because I had to do a I had to do a, a, a live stream that night too. So, so it was, I thank goodness I was not on on microphones for that live stream. Uh, I I also want to uh, apologize just out put an apology out there to my neighbors above me to the left to the right and whoever lives below me. Because I was jumping, I was screaming, and it was like 8 o'clock at night. So apologies, but real, it was amazing. real
0: question is, though, as because, uh, you know, the Browns fans are just notorious for suffering and everything. Was there any part of you at 28 nothing that was still like, they could still blow this,
1: especially oh, with the way that game went? Every part of me, every part of me. There was, there was, I, I was so nervous. Uh, you, you never count a win, and of course, with this being Kansas City Chiefs week, we're seeing the helmet removal from I think two thousand two, um, uh, where we had a, we had uh, stopped the Chiefs, and they had just kind of worked their way downfield, and we, we, we had gotten a stop there at the end of the game, and as the clock is winding down. A defender for the Browns pulls off his helmet in celebration and lifts it above his head, you know, to the crowd and to celebrate. But of course, he's on the field. There's still time on the clock, and um, that was a penalty. So you get the Chiefs to line up and they kick a field goal to win the game as time expires. Um, so the life of a Browns fan is exactly that: it's not over till there are all zeros on the clock. Uh, there, there's always an opportunity for a team to climb back in it. Uh, you had the kick six with Baltimore a couple of years ago, of course. There's that one too, um, where where they blocked a kick, a field goal attempt of ours, and ran it back for a touchdown, and uh, they won the. They we were just trying to tie the game, and they won the game off of that, put it put it out of distance for us. So every part of me believed that they could that Pittsburgh could still climb back in it. Uh, it's Big Ben. I, he, he it, just this year Baker Mayfield passed Ben Roethlisberger for the most wins, and in, in, in Cleveland, like in the new stadium's <laughs> history, Ben ha, Ben had that record before this year of, of all the thirty of all the twenty nine previous quarterbacks we had gone through, uh, Ben Roethlisberger did not uh, he had won more games in Cleveland than any single one of them.
2: So? I shouldn't laugh, because Kyler and Murray probably has more wins in, like, Cherry World than the Cowboys do. <laughs> um, a, l- a
1: lot of that's in high school, though. A lot of that's in high yeah. school, to be fair. I mean, as long as the
0: Cowboys get to see a winner somehow, right, Mike? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So welcome everyone to episode 6 of the Forever Toros Podcast. I'm your host, John Diaz, joined by Jonas Clark and Michael DeLeon as always. And guys, hey, the G League did it! Yeah, we've got a bubble plan! Awesome! So, it only took so much speculation to figure out what we were going to do with this G League bubble. And we finally had some details come out that it'll be 18 teams. Uh, Let me see if I can find it here. 18 teams, it's easier to tell you who's not participating than who is, so teams that aren't sending anyone are the Hawks, the Celtics, the Bulls, the Mavericks, the Pistons, the Lakers, the Heat, the Bucks, the Suns, the Kings, and the Wizards, but the Wizards will utilize uh, Lake Erie, so that's going to be kind of interesting. Yep. Uh, We get, let me see here, this is what happens when preparation is lacking, that's on me, but anyway uh so uh it's set we we had the draft already it seems like we we talked about it was a quarter of a million dollar entry fee maybe a little bit more and that's gotten closer to about half a million dollars which is really interesting um and i believe now that the g league draft has passed this upcoming week players will report to their home market for physicals and onboarding Next week, they'll go to Orlando with tip-off set for February 8th, and the playoffs are run through March 5th through 9th, uh, which we all know that's probably uh, being a little generous because we've seen what's going on with the NBA right now. But obviously, the bubble works for the NBA. Maybe the bubble can work for the G League. So, Jonas, what what are your thoughts generally on just what the G League did with the bubble and what the NBA did for the bubble?
1: Uh, I mean, it, It's forced. I mean, that, that's the first and foremost piece. Uh, I, I don't think that it's completely necessary, but they uh, we talked about this in, in previous episodes where they kind of had to do something, though, right? Because you can't premiere the G League Ignite program uh, and not have a season at all in, in that first year because of how it could impact future players' decisions, you know, young athletes as they're coming out of high school. If you're trying to get them into the NBA world instead of playing college basketball, uh, then then you have to have something an op for an opportunity for them to have kind of seen. So uh, as much as if you follow the G League on Twitter, uh, ever since uh, I would say the the league paused last year, it's just really been all G League ignite. Uh, a couple of highlight videos from last year during the the playoffs and in the bubble, they would highlight guys who like Duncan Robinson uh, and Alex Caruso and Danny Green, who had spent some time in the G League or the D League, if you go back to Danny's time. Um, then it, they, they'd had some videos like that, but it's just been all, all Ignite. And they actually got their season started a little bit early, if you if if you consider it starting the season back in December. They played some um, kind of like intramural squads against or uh, squad runs against uh, former NBA talent and other kind of G League talent just yeah. to keep the kids fresh. Uh, but it's forced. It, it, that that's what it is at the end of the day.
0: Mike, what were your thoughts with? I guess the, we finally got this after I, I guess so much complaining and. So much trashing of the league. So were you happy to see that actually finally come to fruition, even though it's a little bit behind in terms of what we were expecting?
2: Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely behind. But, I mean, I'm glad that they were find a, able to find a way to salvage it. And so it'll be interesting to see what these teams and, and with Ignite. And then one, one thing I did notice also is that team in Mexico that was going to join them chose not to... They opted not to send their players to the bubble so they're not gonna compete this year like they are supposed to, so that puts down that puts that like sort of development into other countries, everything away for one season. But uh, you know, they're basically following the NBA's model it seems like the NBA had things working in uh Orlando and now ever since they left Orlando it's like everything's kinda of falling apart. So yeah. <laughs> might as well follow what worked, um uh, and unless, you know, you know, there's going to be... I'm sure a lot of these players, if they want to find, uh, you know, a home in the NBA, that they won't like the being, you know, I guess quarantined. They're being kind of locked up in Orlando, but that's just the way it is. I mean, you've heard some NBA players voice uh, kind of like the, the the rules and not being a big fan of them. But, um, like, I know Jeremy Lin and Lance Stevenson are going to be trying to make a comeback, Michael Beasley. So it's it's kind of like that's the option, and it's the safe option. So I'm just glad that there's actually a plan in place when we get to see you know, some of these players. And um, especially for someone who has really enjoyed watching, well, in the past, especially some of the rookies get some playing time, uh, it'll be nice to see that. Yeah. Although, you know, I'm not sure uh, if we'll see the same thing with what this is Ripley. maybe uh, Jones, but that's about it. Yeah, and
0: what's I think the most interesting thing for me, I can understand the playoff teams in the NBA not facilitating a G League team, saving that money, especially tax teams, you gotta cut corners somewhere. And if they start auditioning veterans that these veterans that are gonna play in the G League bubble, you don't need to have them on your team. You can just scout them as they play for someone else. I just find it kinda interesting that teams like Chicago and Detroit that or even Washington right now, because, you know, we've, we've seen the rumors now that Harden's been traded that Beal's probably next to go. Uh, Russ's injury, I think NBC Washington had reported last night that Russ's quad injury might be even more serious and he may miss a month. And that's a team with a lot of rooks. You know, they've got Denny, they got Rui. Uh, Thomas Bryant just got lost with uh, his ACL injury. That That's an opportunity to develop guys. That's an opportunity to find some of these younger college kids and try to fill out that roster, and they're just saying no so uh, it's it's a curious thing but you know i i can't tell anyone how to run their team you know the spurs have their way of doing things it's worked out for them and it, it's going to be fun to see who actually ends up going for austin um but before that obviously the spurs had their draft this week uh in the first round with the 14th pick they took jonathan kasibabu out of fairfield a 6-8 forward who's massive. I, I looked him up and instantly went to YouTube. That kid is massive. He, he kind of reminds me of like a, a taller DeWan Blair, uh, just in, in, in sheer size, which is kind of mind-blowing. You, you don't really see that in these days anymore. Uh, in the second round with the 12th pick, they took Anthony Mathis out of Oregon, a 6'4 guard. Uh, and also in the second round with the 15th pick, a familiar name somewhat. They took Caleb Johnson out of Georgetown, who is Kelvin Johnson's older brother. Uh, If you want a full breakdown, obviously we've got Carl Schoening has that covered on our website at ProjectSpurs.com. But guys, what did y'all think about the draft? Because obviously these guys, the returning player rights and stuff, a lot of these guys we've talked about in these last few episodes are overseas. And it's kind of interesting to see with the Exhibit 10 contracts and now these draft picks, how the roster's filling out. So Mike, what did you think about the three guys they selected?
2: Well, I mean, I felt like they probably needed some of the... uh, uh, big body that can play multiple positions. I know that uh, Cusco can probably play small forward, but he's probably big enough where he can play. I mean, it's like you made the comparison to Juwan Blair, right? And, and um, he's actually, you know, probably bucket three inches taller, and he also want to play power in the center, so I think yeah. that's probably a multi-position guy, and he's a... He was really known as being like a rebounder and uh, more of a defensive player, and so I think he's trying to like round out his game a little bit more. He did play in the G League um, last year with the uh, Long Island, and so yeah. I yeah. Mean, when I saw him, it, I, I was kind of shocked at that too. But um, I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't as aware really if more people were going to fall. But um, Mathis is just a, you know, it's. I think especially because if they're going to lose players like if Ledbetter doesn't come back or if, or some other mm-hmm. other like. Guards, and it's good to have somebody like that. It's a sharpshooter from Oregon. What? What is there like a like a Austin uh, Spurs Oregon connection or something? I feel like they keep getting, <laughs> getting players from there. And then Caleb Johnson. I mean, that that was kind of in play. It seemed like for a while. Now we'd heard that uh, for some time, and so we'll see what he can do. My only question now is: Is do we call him bigger body or or, or what? <laughs> I like I have, that. <laughs> I have no idea, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what what he has. I know he can shoot outside a little bit, and, and but you know, I guess we'll see what kind of game he has, and if there's any similarities there with his brother. Yeah, <laughs> bigger body. As much as
0: I hate the big body nickname for Kelvin Johnson, <laughs> because Bill Land got me on the Mustang, I like bigger body. Uh, Jonas, what did you think about the selections?
1: I. Uh, I mean, they, uh, they kind of fit in terms of what I would put at the G League level um, if you're trying to develop Luka. And one of my questions this last off season is if they were going to put together a roster is what was going to be Austin's focus. Uh, was it going to be more on developing our new draft picks in terms of Trey Jones and Devin Vassell? Uh, or was the priority going to be trying to bring Luca along uh, last year it seemed like Keldon got the priority and obviously that's that's paid off and he was the more finished product coming out of Kentucky, uh, whereas Luca was just coming over from Croatia and so I wasn't too shocked to see them not go hmm. big to try to develop another big alongside Luca because you want to give him minutes and so um, even when you look at the construction of the roster, Uh, that we have, and we'll get to that here soon. But you look at the construction of the roster, and you might say, well, where's the size? Well, it's to not give Luke a competition uh, so that he can get more run. And um, so I like the pick with with Caleb uh, before the draft. I mean, you had seen uh, some tape of of Caleb and Keldon practicing together at the facility, um, getting some run, and so I think there was a a little bit of Spurs fans that was just kind of hoping to have that. You get the brother camaraderie, uh, this is not, uh, by the way, uh, Caleb's first run with the Austin Spurs, uh, he was a member of the organization, um, a couple years back, selected out of the, um, the G League draft, um, And uh, Carl did put that in his article as well. And so you already had that connection. And so you maybe think, well, if that was a relationship once before, then maybe the Keldon relationship had started to bud earlier on too, where the organization had started to scout him sooner than than we might have thought. And so uh, I like it. I like it. And you you get a true rebounder, like you guys were talking about, um, with Kasi Babu. And um, yeah, I mean it. It's it shows that the priority is around building Luca, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I I agree with the focus about being you know developing Luca. Um, I think the only other real big and let, let's go through the roster real quick from what we what we assumed this roster is going to be. You have your two way players in Quindary Weatherspoon and Keita Bates Diop. You have your Exhibit ten contracts, which were Cam Reynolds, London Perantes, Kyrie Thomas, a bunch of guards right there. Kyler Kelly is the only other center who's there, and he's not even close to Luka's type of playstyle. He's a very Drew Eubanks type of player who's friends with Drew Eubanks even though they didn't play together and is just looking for that kind of development and trying to transition to, I guess, his next career, whatever that may be. And then the three draft picks with a roster spot still available who we don't know who that's going to be. We thought it could be Jeff Ledbetter. It doesn't really look like that's the case. Uh, it looks like a lot of the former Austin Spurs, I guess, legends at this point uh, are probably not going to be joining us this time around. And then yeah, I think they can carry up to 13 players. So you could still see Luca, Trey, Devin, or Drew get assigned down there to the bubble. But that does, I think Vassell is probably not going to happen with Derek White's injury. And he's been seeing a decent bit of rotation And it's Trey Jones, I'm a little on the fence on. Uh, and Drew Eubanks, you know, LaMarcus has had those knee issues, uh, and it seems like they turn to, to Drew based on matchups because then we've seen Trey Lyles start the last couple games and get a decent amount of run, which is, that's a whole other thing for Paul to cover on this first cast of why Trey Lyles is potentially in the doghouse, um, but yeah, it, it seems like they're just ready to put a decent amount of corporate knowledge and wings around Luka and say here do play make shoot rebound whatever you can do show us that you deserve more minutes in San Antonio and it's just kind of interesting because I think that was one of the biggest questions we even opened it up to Twitter on what kind of questions uh did people have of Austin and it was a big one is is Luka going to be there because people didn't automatically see Luka's name on the roster or in the draft and hey that's an NBA contract He's a guaranteed first-round draft pick. You're not going to see his name down there, but he can still be assigned for the next two seasons. So, Jonas, do you think is going to be a part of the bubble? I know you've already covered this, but what do you think the
1: primary focus of Luka should be? I think that it should be running the offense through him, uh, getting him comfortable with that. I, I, Pop is looking for his big of the future. I don't think that it's going to quite be like, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's Jakob Um I don't think it's Drew Eubanks. I think that they're really hanging their hat. On, uh, on 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 Luca because of what he brings, and and if you watch the Austin Spurs games, you know the audience out there, then you know that Luca has some level of handles. Uh, he, he's he's not as rusty or as awkward looking as Timmy did. Timmy looked when he was running up and down the court, <laughs> uh, just being a, speaking of a tall guy trying to handle the ball. luka has got he's got some serious handles, and uh, he can control the ball really well. And then of course his three point shot. Um, which he showed off a little bit in some of the preseason games. Uh, just the three that the Spurs played, but I think that it's going to be about running the offense through him, giving, putting the ball in his hand, and asking him to execute. Uh, that's got to be the focus if he's going to come along because it, the the window for the Spurs is open right now. I'm not saying that it's a it's a contention window, but it's a playoff window, and you want to bring a, you want to get these these young kids together and see exactly what they can be as fast as possible because you're going to have to start looking at uh, picking up options and contract situations and other te- the, the, like You just look at the organization of the Austin Spurs, and you know that other teams are noticing because they hired away your head coach and they hired away your GM this last offseason. So yeah. <laughs> they see what's happening in Austin. The next step is to start taking our players. And so uh, if if, if – you don't get these guys into the NBA and and allow them to start really pushing this team they might start looking elsewhere in, in terms of not wanting to sign an extension or sign another contract uh and and that would really hinder what we're trying to do here and what the Spurs are trying to do uh but it's it's got to just be focused on bringing Luca around Mike what do you think
0: I, besides bringing Luka around, what is there a skill set that you're looking for that the Spurs don't have that you would want to see out of him? Because obviously, LaMarcus L- is a free agent. Trey Lowe's is unguaranteed and not getting the minutes that we saw last season. I'm I'm with Jonas here. I don't think Jakob Pertl is as much of part of the future as as it looks like he is, especially with the off season and how much salary cap they have and who's going to be available. So is there, what specifically do you think Luca needs to do in that bubble to be part of San Antonio's future, or at least see San Antonio regular rotation minutes next season?
2: Uh, it's just hard because they're, they're very different players and, and Jakob's a, you know, shot blocking guy that can uh, run pick and roll and things like that. And uh, he's a little more physical Luca's not a they're physical big or a four or five type guy. He's, he's just not that player. And, I think I've been saying this for since they've drafted him that he needs to really get into the weight room and work on on that some more. But he's not going to be that that player. I just don't see that from him. So, but I do see potential there for him to be like a like a point forward type. And um, I remember yeah. a few years ago, you and I were covering covered a number of um, Austin Spurs games. And I remember they bring the ball to the floor, and they'd swing the ball immediately to Kyle Anderson, and he kind of took that role, you know, where he was a little taller, so he can see the floor a little bit better. And so, I mean, obviously, he wasn't yep. a fast player by the, the stretch, but, you know, he was uh, a guy that trusted to handle the ball and things like that. And I feel like that would be kind of interesting to see, especially if, if Ledbetter's not there and, and somebody that can handle the ball. then I think seeing that from him... And that's definitely where his skill set I think is a little more useful is, is having a guy that can, you know, use that that set of skills uh, to get the offense going a little bit. And, and you know, obviously he's not going to replace point guard or anything like that, but it's good to have, you know, especially if you go to the bench and you need somebody that you can trust and you, you know, need to have mismatches and things like that, I mean, he would be a, a pretty big mismatch with the, you know, panel the ball kind of top of the key and how uh, to defend him. And and then it gives me some <clears throat> some flexibility with the matchups, I think, a little bit more. So I'd like to see that, but I definitely want to see more out of him. And it's disappointing, and I brought this up before, but uh, Jonas wrote an article about this make maker break here. And there was a certain group on Facebook that sometimes I share uh, our articles with and like Jonas basically got fried on that uh, that group because of because he was asking the question and now like everybody in that group was saying oh Luca's trash or you know just, yeah like, how quickly <laughs> he needs to leave I'm just like how is it that everybody's saying this now but like, when Jonas asked the question it was like he just like totally got crucified for it so but yeah I mean I think there's definitely a lot still there to see and to prove especially you know when they start looking at uh you know his contract and extensions and things like that i think he's gonna have to prove a little bit more because he's not getting minutes right now and as much as people want to say pop Hicks, you know younger players and all that there's a reason he's not getting his minutes yeah you and remind me
0: what was the game that we saw him at least the last couple minutes was that the lakers game or no there was a game they played in San Antonio where Luca had I showcased a little bit of himself, and I can't yeah, remember I can't, which game that
1: was. I think it was the last Lakers game, um, which would have been the last uh, home game, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, right? Yeah, uh,
0: where he had those like he tried to go into that at the rim and just completely getting
1: bodied repeatedly, <laughs> right? And 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 that's that's a concern, you know. That's definitely one of the concerns about Luca. Um, and and I mean sure i got roasted a, a bit by um by the fans out there <laughs> but i think that i think that that just goes back to you know the, the hope and the potential like how like if you're not watching austin spurs games this isn't to say that the people weren't um but if you're not watching them or even if you just look at the st- his stat line and you say well he averaged 15 points and you know seven rebounds last year that's pr- that's pretty good right well, yeah, but it's G—it's the G League, and you're the 19th overall pick. So yeah. you gotta—you gotta put—you gotta, put, gotta at least have have show me something more than that that you that you should be at the, the 19th overall pick. You should be at the NBA level, um, and and dominating in the G League, like you should be Drew Eubanks in the G League, um, and and so when you look at the minutes that he has gotten now that he's coming out and people are starting to see his play they're like oh wow he looks awkward and it's like yes because he he's small still he and, and and it's weird to say that he's still small because he's bigger than he was when the season went on pause last march yep um and that was something we noted over the summer uh, when he was when he appeared in the NBA bubble it's like oh he's had a little bit of mass uh, but now it's it's how do you carry that mass? How do you utilize that mass? And how do you add more mass? Because he's still small if he's going to be uh, if he's going to try to play in the paint, uh, unless he's just going to be a swing four. That's gonna that's gonna stand out near the perimeter more more. Which is a, it's a standard big in today's NBA. Um, I mean that's that's your option.
0: Yeah, and you know I think the other thing too that makes it look worse on the Spurs with Luka's development is the fact that he was taken at 19, and it mm-hmm. seemed like the Spurs took him at 19 because of how hyped he was. Yeah. And the, the the scare tactic of other teams are going to take this kid, and he's not going to be there at 29, which is probably where he should have been drafted instead. And then yeah, you, dra- you pick up sure. Keldon at 29, right. who doesn't look at all like he should have been available in the first round at 19 period. Mm-hmm. And he's over here starting and wowing people and just completely surpassed all expectations and I think another thing that makes me upset is I I was a big proponent for Brandon Clark on draft night Brandon Clark went two picks later and he's actually done pretty decent despite Memphis trying to destroy his jump shot but then you also see OKC's development we just saw it when they played the Spurs the other night Darius Baisley and Isaiah Roby are two players that were drafted way after Luka and making an impact and producing at the NBA level and those are the only ones. I know there's others, but those are just two, you know, OKC's got all those picks in the world. And if they can make anything out of those two guys before the Spurs get anything out of Luka, it kind of makes you wonder, like, what? Where's your, what's wrong with your scouting report? Or is it just, you know, the transition from coming from Croatia to the States just too much for Luka, especially at such a young age? But I think trashing him after one game, he still hit that 1-3 just straight up with the guy in his face like nothing. He's still mm. only just turned 21. It, I don't want to like call him a bust, but this is this bubble. This one month is all he has to showcase himself that he was worthy of that pick and that he has a future. Because with COVID, we don't know what's going to happen this summer. If there's going to be a summer league, if there's going to be another draft where he can go out there and go to Vegas and showcase himself, if there's going to be a preseason, any of that. This is his month. And I hate putting pressure on a kid. But this is it, dude. This is all you've got, man. Like, show us something. You've got an environment where you're just going to be around basketball the entire time. This this is it. Make the most of it. And stop getting tattoos all the time. Focus more on the basketball and less on the tattoos. That sounded very old man of me, but <laughs> I, I love the tattoos. I'm just like, damn it, dude. Like, He looks like the 2K player that just spent the VC on the tattoos instead yes. of on the actual attributes. Like, come on, man. Uh, so lastly i I want to touch on a couple things and jonas i actually want to give the floor to you here uh what are you looking forward to with the bubble besides luca besides you know these two-way guys you you know we've got a whole new uh how to how to phrase this i guess a whole new management team in place because obviously the spurs have a new gm new head coach uh it's just going to be so many things that we're we're going to be looking at that are going to determine the, the future of Austin, period, but that goes way beyond Luka. So what's something that's most intriguing to you or what you're looking forward to the most?
1: Well, what I'm really looking forward to the most is, is seeing Matt Nielsen at the helm. He's the new head coach, uh, promoted from being Coach Ahern's assistant after Blake got hired away by the Memphis Grizzlies to be at the end of their bench and focus on development um, with their young team, and so uh, Matt Nielsen is—he's he played for the Australian national team. He's their assistant coach for their national team as they prepare for the Olympics, and uh, he was a player out there. He was a coach out there. Uh, he won a couple championships in Australia, and so he brings a lot of experience. And so this is going to be his debut in coaching with the Austin Spurs. Uh, and and I, I'm really – I mean, I, I hate to just keep bringing it back to Luca, but at the same time, uh, Matt Nielsen, I want to see how he impacts him because you look at the coach yeah. that we've had the last couple of years going with Coach Ahern, right, and and he was a guard when he played in the NBA, and then you see all the guards that we turn out because he was able to game plan for them and coach around them, and so that's where if, if Luca is the focus, then I think that having a coach – like Coach Nielsen, who is a big himself, being able to put Luca in the right spots and coach him up in the right moments on how to play the game, is going to be the key to all of this. But I also want to look at the rest of this roster. You're looking at the Exhibit Tens, you know, that that have been brought back uh, to play with Austin now, and and a couple of these additions, and. Um, I think that it, it the the point that I want to see really is if they're going to scout any of these guys to keep these guys, yeah. Because uh, there's nobody outside of the two way guys and the guy and and you know people like Luca and Drew who are already on the roster uh, back from last year's team. Nobody. I would have thought Jordan Green or Jeff Ledbetter who were were chalked up as mentors and helping bring guys you know rookies and young guys along uh with Austin uh back in in their spring series the growing ground series they really highlighted the role of those two guys, those two veterans and uh, they're not a part of this at all and you only have it's about 12 games to to show what you can do uh i was really disappointed to see that they didn't bring anybody back who is who's currently playing internationally we talked about that last time uh, your DJ Lawsons your Dalton Holmes Galen Robinson Jr uh, who are performing very well on the international stage and did really really well last year with Austin and they're not coming back but you know, again if the focus is on Luca those guys are all well outside of Galen the other two are bigs right so it, it's a matter of getting Luca and that's what this shows to me is it's about getting Luca the ball but I want to see how they can, how Coach Nielsen can coach the team around him, and then I think that a key point that I want to watch is Quindary Weatherspoon because he was on the team last year with Luca, and so there's an already familiarity point, and familiarity I think is key, and that's what you're seeing it. Why San Antonio is having the success that they are with these young kids because they all they for the majority point they all started in Austin. And so they, they understand the language, they went through the same growth experience, whether you were picked at nineteen or if you were picked at twenty nine, they all went through the same growth experience of starting out in Austin. And so that now they have that communication point because there are there were things that Coach Ahern, I'm sure, he had language. He had uh he had some plays drawn up that they all can share. And build upon that experience, and they understand each other. The communication on the court is already there, even though some of them are playing together for the first time. Uh, you know, with Keldon really getting some serious minutes up there, and I'd, I'd like to see how that translates with Quindary and Luca, because this is a guy you are in. in Quindary is as, as a distributor at a at a two guard. Uh, he might know where Luca already likes to get the ball. Um, he might, uh, you know, and and vice versa. Luca might know. What? how Quindary is going to move, and there's just that understanding. I want to see how, how Coach Nielsen handle, handles it.
0: Yeah, I think I, that's someone who's gotten kind of lost in the shuffles, Quindary weatherstone just because he's been hurt and Trey Jones is on the Spurs roster. But that's that's another asset that the Spurs have that they've invested time in, and you want to see what pans out from it because he seems like he's got potential, especially as a distributor. He may not be the defender that Trey Jones is hyped up to be, and he's also a little older because he spent so much time in college. But right. Mike, what are you looking at, to, you know, bubble-wise for the Austin Spurs?
2: Yeah, and I, it's basically the guy you guys mentioned, the one and I was looking at the roster, the one I'm really excited to take a look at is, is Guindari because well, he's been there in the bubble already before, and he also seemed to play really well in the bubble. And so I want to see yeah. how, how it works for him and if he's able to, to continue... You know that progress that he made, uh, you know, back just a few months ago, and really stand out. I mean, even though the the Spurs got you know uh, moved on from Bryn and Marco, they still seem to be staffed with guards, so it's going to be hard for him to, you know, to to kind of carve out a role in San Antonio if they decide to, you know, uh, use him or, or sign him to a full NBA deal after this. But if he plays well enough. In Austin, and then you know, have assistance uh, up in San Antonio, where he was able to, um, you know, t- to show his skills and continue to impress. And you know, that's something where you come kind of to to consider, you know, what he brings and how how he's different from the other guys that are there. Um, like you were talking about Quinn and, and Luca, and that kind of. I, I know I'm always going to pass with this, but. Um, that reminds me a lot of the whole Bryce Cotton Kyle Anderson connection that they had on the floor. Uh, <laughs> oh one. no, don't name drop Bryce. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's like my favorite first year. Like, um, It never made it, unfortunately. But you know, that kind of reminds me a little bit of that. I also want to see what uh, it's. Uh, uh, I don't even know the guy's last name. Is it just drop? Uh, I want to see how he plays I haven't seen enough of him I've seen him in spots here and there Um, For the teams to play for I think it was Minnesota where I saw most of him Uh, But it was just You know, a game here or there So I haven't seen a lot of him And so I definitely want to see What he brings, you know And and he's somebody that's got the NBA experience And if if he can kind of take that Experience and leadership Into Austin and maybe even lead a little bit So there's definitely a lot of things to look forward to, obviously, the coaching staff. and you coach staff and want to see how they do and, you know, how they get their system running and, and how that works with what Pop does in, in San Antonio.
0: Well, hey, since I, I was going to go off the board and mention Keita Bates-Diop, and then Mike hit me with Bryce Cotton. So just to hype up Matt Nielsen a little bit more, Bryce Cotton left Austin, went to the NBA, had his cup of coffee with the Jazz and Suns, then went to Australia, Played for Matt Nielsen, won two MVPs, won three scoring titles, won two finals MVPs, and won three championships. So, hey, Matt Nielsen's good to replace Pop in my book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Keita Bates-Diop, too, just for the fact that we still don't know what what's going to happen with the Spurs roster come trade deadline and let alone mm-hmm. next summer. Uh, Keita's one of those guys that if he can make enough of an impact, the Spurs can sign up for cheap on an NBA contract and maintain that cap space, that so precious cap space that uh, I've already been salivating at because I know what, what that means for not only the San Antonio, but even Austin-wise, especially if, if deals come to fruition and there's trades involved and picks, that just bolsters up Austin even more and makes that development more crucial because you know the Spurs aren't going to go the super cheap veteran route. if they if, Unless they're title contenders, they're not going to go that route. They're going to always try to develop these kids into you know better players better human beings and i think that's that's going to be the reputation for a long time unless something drastic happens in san antonio so yeah uh to close it out guys i just want to promote the site obviously we've got the austin spurs roster article by carl shoning uh steven anderson has your spurs recaps jonas and i and mike and whoever wants to do it will also have your austin spurs recaps from the bubble besides the podcast uh, if you want to salivate over prospects like we all do and like we like doing on and off the podcast air, Benjamin Borstein <laughs> has your prospect watch as always. And Jonas, you have a new podcast. So if you want to go ahead and promote that lovely thing that we've got on the
1: Project Spurs Network, go right ahead. Sure, yeah. Um, it's more cent- focused around college basketball here in the area uh, with Aaron Million. Uh, another contributor at Project Spurs. We now have the Texas Half Court Trap Podcast. Um, Steven Anderson makes appearances on there to talk about the UIW Cardinals. Uh, Aaron Million, of course, if you're familiar with his work on the on Project Spurs Network website, uh, in terms of the Texas State Bobcats. And, and I cover the UTSA games, the halftime and, and and post-game reports. And so uh, just look, you know, giving everybody a, a full buffet kind of look at what's going on here in the two one zero one and just outside of it in terms of college basketball because uh, it, this is Texas Hoops still, you know, and, and we have uh, some really good programs, and I, I think it's important to highlight those for uh, for the audience out there in San Antonio, and so uh, we're really happy to bring you guys the Texas Half Court Trap Podcast, new episodes every week, uh, I believe they're dropping on Facebook. Thursdays, pretty consistently right now. Absolutely,
0: please go check that out. Please support the local area kids, man. They they don't get enough shine for
1: for San Antonio being such a big basketball city. Obviously. There's a lot more than just Keaton Wallace and Javon Jackson. I'm telling you, <laughs> there's a lot more. And, you know, UTSA has a new big three going on. So we talked about that a little bit this last week. Um, there's some young guys over there at Texas State um, that they have a nice little group going. And even though the Cardinals had their delayed football season, their basketball season got started right on schedule. There you have
0: it, everyone. So, Mike, Jonas, thank you guys once again for joining me on this episode. Hey, all all the technical issues, the sleep deprivation, we did it. We recorded another one, so let's keep it going. So, obviously, from all of us at Project Spurs, thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay safe, and y'all have a good one. still gonna do i think a cold open so okay all right welcome everyone to forever toros episode six i just realized that's not a cold open um we can just cut that part out or save it at the end you know shit happens <laughs> um right, it's okay. i wanted to start so before we get started here we can start it here all right <laughs> <laughs> the second cup of coffee that i've had today has not kicked in yet all right <laughs> Guys, I think, I think we need to start the podcast here. I think it's the best place to start it.
2: Okay. What's
1: so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.